0: You are a hope. You are the answer. God, we needed an answer. We needed hope. We needed salvation. You sent your son so that we could be saved. That light could shine against the darkness. Dispel the darkness. So Father, I am thankful that we are able to come into your house and to worship you and lift up your name. The name that is above every name deserves our allegiance deserves our lives and I pray today for those in this place that may seek and need hope that father there are those that are struggling already from post Thanksgiving to facing the Christmas holidays and what that can mean for different folks Lord, you came that you would be with us. You came, Father, that you could forgive. You came, Father, that we could be healed. And so, Lord, we thank you for that today. We thank you for uh, some of our church family this week that had uh, successful surgery. We lift up Ruth Bennett, Bob Derby, both. Um, we just praise your name and the medical hands, the knowledge, the science to help them. Some what would be very risky surgery years ago to help them. They did well this week, and we thank you for that. We lift that up and praise you. Continue to heal their bodies and what they're going through. We also just want to lift up Stephanie and Ben Wilson and the kids and the family. As um, this Friday, uh, Stephanie lost her grandma. Uh, we just want to lift those up to you, Father. There, ben will be leading the funeral on Tuesday and um, just traveling to Cynthiana and being there with family and just going through this time of grief and comfort with each loved one. Um, help them to, to grieve as well, but also, Father, use them. Use them as a light to family members, friends that will be there to um, share their condolences and remember Father I know there are many others in this place that we need to lift up today and many unspoken we lift those up to you from our heart because you hear them God you tell us and command us in scripture to ask and so we ask today and we ask in knowing that you will answer in your will Father may Jesus the very word come alive to us today show us some things may we grow because of it May we lean in. May we truly want to be transformed. Our hearts transformed. Our minds transformed. By your word, by your truths. In Jesus' name we ask it. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. I don't know about you, but every year at Christmas time, especially growing up, there were always some gifts that. You needed, but you didn't get very excited about. Notorious for those kind of things. And I remember also as, pre- as children, and we talked about presents, and we looked at and thought about gifts. We always had those that we were desperate for. Those that we really wanted. We would beg mom and dad for it. We would look underneath the tree to see the different boxes, the different wrapping paper. To see if we could figure out, was that the gift that I really wanted? I remember as a kid, for me, I wanted two things. The first one was Castle Grey Skull, from the Masters of the Universe. Now I know I'm showing my age a little in the room. There's some of you younger than me going, "What is that?" Masters of the Universe, He-Man, She-Ra. I wanted the castle. That was like the prime gift of that whole deal, you know, kind of like the whole Optimus Prime with the Transformers, you know? And I think I told you a part of this story before is I ended up with Skeletor's castle. But I didn't get Castle Grayskull. Scarred me for life. But then there was the gift that I always wanted, the other gift that I did get. The classic Nintendo. You know what I'm talking about. This thing was the bomb. I mean, we can't put this up against the PS4 graphically and all those things today. But man, the classic Nintendo was the bomb. I mean, remember the classic games, the original Mario Brothers? The duck hunt, because you could sit across the room and actually shoot the ducks? How many hours did we waste doing this stuff? But then, the greatest game of all, in my opinion, Tecmo Bowl. The one and only real football game that was ever created. Where if you had Bo Jackson as the running back, you could win the entire thing. You can still get that game today, by the way, if anybody's wanting it. Now, the part I like most about the classic Nintendo was that Sometimes it would freeze up, and you could take the cartridge out and go, (sighs) put it back in, and it would work like a champ. Trick actually worked on my dad's garage door opener on the sensor this past weekend. (laughs) But then there are those other gifts, maybe one, maybe a few, where the expectations are high, you open it up. And it's socks and underwear. Socks and underwear. Now, the older I get, I get excited about this gift, to be honest with you. I've already been telling my wife, hey, man, I am excited about some new underwear and socks. But, you know, typically when you're growing up, you know, it's something that you didn't really want. It's something you could use, but you really didn't want it. So mom or grandma or somebody would get you this gift, and they would always, when you'd open it, they'd say things like, oh, you're going to love this. This is exactly what you need. And you open it, and you're like, yeah, awesome. Not exactly what I wanted. But I think about our lives, and you know what? This is really what is happening in our culture and in our lives today at Christmas. We need it, but we're not too excited about it. And that's what this series is going going to address this Christmas. I know it's a weird title, Socks and Underwear, but the idea was to get our attention. If you could rewind and you could go back to the very first Christmas, the first Christmas was a lot like that. When Jesus came, he is and was the present. And yet, we know he was the gift that the world desperately needed, but it went unnoticed. No one seemed to get too excited about him. No one seemed to get too excited about his coming the Bible reminds us in John 3.16, we all know this verse, for, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And as we hear those words and we hear those words today, hear this incredible gift that God is giving to this world because of his love for us. But when Jesus was born, most of the world did not even notice. Not, most of the world did not even notice that this gift had been placed under the tree. So Why? Why was that? Why was the most pivotal event in all of human history, why was it at this time so unnoticed? And here's what I think. I think it was because it was just not what people were looking for. Boy, how that can resonate with you and I. We're looking for so many other things at Christmas. We're looking for so many other things to satisfy. We're looking at so many other things to make sure we do or don't do. That we're just not looking for what we should be looking for. Christmas came in some very unexpected ways. And Christmas will come for you and I in some unexpected ways if we will allow it. I want to take us to the Gospel of John. John chapter 1, verse 1 is where we'll start today. And this is not a typical place that some people would say, well, this is not the Christmas story. But I want us to look very intently at what John, the the gospel of John, as John led here in this first verse. He says, if you have your Bibles, turn I'll be on the screen. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And here's what I believe. I believe John is really beginning to tell us the Christmas story in a way that is different than the other gospel writers. I mean, when you look, if you read the beginning of the New Testament at the all four of the gospels, each gospel writer puts his own emphasis on different aspects of the person of Jesus. I mean, you've got Matthew who is writing mostly to a Jewish audience, so he's presenting Christ as the Messiah, as the one who has fulfilled the prophecies you got Mark, he's more of an action-packed gospel guy where he picks up in Jesus' life for the most part from the time he met Jesus, and then he, then he just tells us one moment after another what happens. You've got Luke, who was a doctor, and so he writes in a more historical way, a more historical account. He pays attention to the details. But then you have John, who takes a different approach altogether. And John takes the time here to emphasize the deity of Christ. And he wants us to understand that Jesus, though fully human, is also fully God. So while Luke might have looked back at the birth of Christ, John looks back to the beginning of the world. That's powerful. Before the world really even began to tell us the Christmas story. So, as we look at this scripture, let's look at this very briefly in this verse. John is using the word, Word, capital W, Word, as a reference to Jesus Christ. Now, in the Greek, this word is logos, which means the expression of or declaration of. The expression of, not a expression of, the expression of. And John is saying that Jesus is the expression of God. He is God in the flesh. He is the manifestation of God. So this is not just another prophet. This is God in the flesh. This is Emmanuel, God with us. In the beginning was the Word, Jesus has always been. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. Jesus was right there alongside of God when the universe was spoken into existence. And here is what he says, and the Word was God. Jesus is God. He is putting the emphasis on the deity of Christ and showing us that Jesus is truly the Son of God. Now, with the Christmas story, there were some unexpected parts. And I want to highlight that just for a minute. Because when we think about this deity of Jesus, when we think about the Christ child, when it came to Jesus, if this is the Son of God and he is coming to earth as a baby, then it seems like this is a pretty big deal. Obviously, we see it hindsight 2020, but it seems like this should have been a big deal, that all the world should have stopped and stood still for this one moment, that, that this would have been an amazing, spectacular event. Yet as you read through the story, the wrapping paper doesn't seem too impressive. It seems as you read through the story that if this is God's great gift to man, that there would have been some details that would have been more carefully thought out. It wouldn't have seemed so haphazard. Now we know, yet from the beginning of time, the Bible tells us that this had been planned. I mean, the first prophecy of Jesus comes in Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve sin, and it is at that moment that God promises to send us a Savior. So thousands of years have led up to this moment. You have the time period between the Old Testament and the New Testament, between Malachi and the Gospels where 400 years go by, and they don't hear anything from God. No prophet, no word from the Lord. And my guess is that because of that, by generation after generation after generation, eventually a number of people stopped looking. And even for the ones who were still looking, they probably were thinking, when he comes, we're going to know it. When he comes, it's going to be a big deal. It's going to be a significant event. But what's amazing is when you read John chapter 1, verse 1, and you read that text, It doesn't match up does it the 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 christmas story the way jesus came in john 1 1 in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god i mean let's look at the christmas story very quickly you take mary and joseph think about it mary and joseph here they are they were not just poor they were real poor They were so poor, listen to this, and this is this is serious. I mean, listen to this. They were so poor that they could not even afford to, to buy the sacrificial lamb that was required by Levitical law for the birth of their son. All they could afford, they didn't have enough money, all they could afford was d- two doves. Now think about the irony of that picture. They can't afford to even buy a lamb for the Lamb of God. So they buy two doves, and that is the best they could do. And it makes you ask the question, God, you planned this out? It just seems like, as we think about this gift of your son, the greatest gift that's given to the world, that this should have been delivered better. This should have been delivered to just the right people better. Let's go further. You take the whole journey of Christmas that Mary and Joseph made. We want to romanticize the picture, right? Right? And yet you have this woman, she's nine months pregnant, we assume she's riding on a donkey because that would have been way too long, too far distance to walk. And they get there, and there's no room in the inn. And it makes you ask the question, it seems like, man, if, if God was going to, was planning this, then he probably would have made some reservations on Expedia or something, Right? I mean, let's go further. you got the evil king during this time, King Herod. Why not remove Herod from the equation? You're god. Just take him out. It would have made things a whole lot less difficult on Mary and Joseph. It just seems like, again, that God could have taken care of them a little more carefully. And then the most unexpected part of the Christmas story comes right in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verse 7. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloths. Some translations say rags. Now I know we, 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 we get very sentimental about that picture and we're like, oh, that's all she had. But I want us to think about this. The creator of the universe got wrapped in rags. creator of the world. The Savior got wrapped in tiny linen torn cloths. In the beginning was the Word, and yet now he's in a feeding trough. You see, we see all these details of the Christmas story, and We see them each year, and we're so familiar with them, and they're not sure we stop. I'm not sure we stop and ask ourselves, why did it really happen the way that it did? Why was Jesus born to this young, poor girl named Mary, gave birth to him in a stable, and she laid him in a manger? Why did this happen? It was really quite unexpected for a king. I want to spend just the next few minutes, I think, approaching some things that we need to think about through the Christmas story. And the first is this. We expect Christmas to be comfortable and trouble-free. I mean, think about it. Our culture, we most of us have the money that we need to do things. or We just kind of want to look at this season and we just want to expect life and Christmas to be comfortable, to be trouble-free. And the reality is, is that we expect this with the Christmas story. I mean, Jesus, he, in the story of Christmas, he, he, because he's the son of God, I think we make a lot of assumptions, right? I mean, I'm sure that when, when Mary was told that she was going to be giving birth to the son of God, would there have been maybe some assumptions? Like, I'm about to give birth to the son of God. God is going to give me an epidural that you ain't ever had. Some sort of supernatural help here. Comfortable, trouble-free. God's going to work this out. But here's the thing. God wanted to identify with you and with me in our struggles. That's why. And that's the unexpected gift of Christmas. You and I would expect a story where Jesus would be born into this wealthy, prominent family, have this comfortable existence here on earth, and he was born to a poor family. There were a lot of struggles because he wanted to identify with us in our struggles. Why is that important? Well, I think many times we want to sit and we want to say, I don't know if God really understands what I feel. God, you sit up there in heaven at a distance. You got your streets of gold. You got your whatever buffet. I don't know. That's what I dream about in heaven. I'm just kidding. No, you got all this, God, and here I am down on this earth, and you you don't understand the problems. You don't understand what I feel. You don't understand what I'm going through. And here's the point. He's been through what you've been through. And this is the unexpected gift of Christmas, that Jesus says to you, I know what it's like. Hang on, I know what it's like. And so if you're struggling financially this Christmas, if you're kind of having a tough Christmas season because, frankly, you don't have the money for presents and all that goes with it, you're staring at those things, and man, it has overwhelmed you. I want you to understand that Jesus knows what it's like to be poor. He understands what it, no, what, what it is to, to, to hurt. He grew up in a very poor home. And as an adult, he didn't have a place to even lay his head, the scripture tells us. He was homeless. So while you sit there, and it might look like you may not be able to buy the presents that you have in the past or whatever. If you have somewhere to live, you have more than Jesus did. If you have a job, you have more than Jesus did. Maybe you are going through other things. Maybe you have some family and the relationships are pretty strained right now. You're not looking forward to the holidays because you know it's going to be tense. You might have a family member that you know that's going to disappoint you. Jesus knows what it's like. When he began his ministry, his own mother and brothers thought he was crazy. They, they, if you go look at it, look in Mark chapter three, verse twenty-one. They, they wanted to have him committed. And that was hurtful, I'm sure. Maybe you've got some friends or somebody that you love, that that you really loved and trusted, and now they've let you down in a significant way, hurt you some way. Jesus knows what it's like, because he had one of his closest friends betray him with a kiss. And he had his close friends abandon him when he was going through the toughest part of his life. If you're facing injustice... Jesus knows what that's like, too. I know many of you in this place could tell a story of where you were treated in a completely unfair way. Maybe it was even as bad as taking advantage of or being abused. So was Jesus. He was innocent. He, He never sinned, yet he was tried for crimes he didn't commit. He was nailed to a tree. He came to this world the way he did because he wants you and I to know. He knows what we're going through. And he knows what we feel. So when you read the Christmas story, you see these different circumstances that don't seem to match up. Within the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. Because he had to come in a way that he could identify with our struggles. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, 16 reminds us of this. The writer of Hebrews says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are yet he did not sin let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need what does that mean it just simply means hey because God knows what it's like to struggle and to hurt we can go to him with confidence because he knows what it's like And so whatever you're struggling with, come to him with confidence, because Jesus knows what it's like. That's the unexpected gift of Christmas, and we can go to him for help when we need it the most. I want to show you something else. We also expect Christmas to be huge, big, huge. We all have high expectations for Christmas. I just think we do. We can't help it. The TV commercials, our culture drives us to have all these super high expectations. And the same goes back to the original Christmas story. I mean, here he was, Jesus coming as the King of Kings. Shouldn't there have been the biggest pomp and circumstance there could have been? Couldn't there just be the biggest royal extravaganza there should have been? That's what we expected. But God wanted to set an example of humility for us to follow. So even with his birth, Jesus was already beginning to show us how he wants us to think and how he wants us to handle ourselves and how he wants us to live in a selfless, sacrificial way. You know, when you think about the Christmas story, the surprising part, if you think about it, is not that the angels announced the birth of Christ. I think we expect that. The surprising part is, of course, who they announced it to. They announced it to some lowly shepherds who were the lowest of the culture. You've also got the surprising part of the Christmas story is not that there's this miraculous virgin birth. No, I think we expect that. We would expect a miracle to accompany the the, the birth of the Son of God. But the surprising part is that God uses a young lady like Mary. And I mean that with all respect. Poor, uneducated, unconnected, unknown. But that's who God chose. You see, God came into the world so humbly so that he could set an example for us to know how to live. I'm going to let that set right in this room for many of you. Are you truly living humbly? Because with Jesus' birth, he turned the value system of the world upside down. And the question is, in the church, are we following that? Are we truly following that? I mean, let me just quickly give you a great way to think about it. I don't know if anybody's ever shared part of this story with you, but when Jesus was born, he was only about three miles from the palace of King Herod. And as the king, the palace was huge. And if Mary and Joseph would have just stood outside the stable that the King Jesus was born in, they could have seen it. Why? Because this mansion, if you will, this palace was an incredible piece of architecture to the point that it was built upon a hill and it was 90 feet tall and it covered around 45 acres of land. And it was surrounded by over 200 acres of gardens. Imagine. In this palace, you've got King Herod. And The real king of kings is in this feeding trough. Literally just miles away. God had to do it this way. So that we would pay attention. So that we would would see how we're to humbly live. The kind of attitude and love that he wants us to have. Paul put it best this way in Philippians 2, verses 6 through 8. He said, who, he's talking about Jesus, but he's talking also to us about how to live. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. See, Jesus didn't tell us just how to live humbly. He came all the way from the throne room in heaven. And not only does he come down here to earth to be born in a feeding trough, but he also went to the cross. I don't know about you, but that's a message that my house needs to hear. I don't know about you, but we all have this tendency to look out for ourselves. You see the kids and I don't know about you, but like in my house, everybody's counting the presents. I got three, and it's a tally chart, you know what I'm saying? And they're counting the presents, and they're looking to see not only who's got the most, but who's got the bigger one versus the smaller one. And am I being treated unfairly? And whose is that? And is that as good as mine? Don't laugh, adults. We're not much different. You're sitting there going, we ain't bought gifts for each other. We we, we don't think like that. I don't know. Maybe you even say, hey, let's just buy stuff for the kids. Don't buy me anything. But down deep, you're like, you better be buying me something. (laughs) I think we're missing it. When Jesus came to earth, he came in a way to show us how to live. He says, I've not come to be served, which is what you would expect of a king. He said, I come to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. Christmas is to be huge, but not in the way we might expect. And it leads me to lastly this, because I believe Christmas means so much more than our expectations. Christmas means so much more than our expectations. I love the fact that when you look at Jesus coming, it was God wanting to make a statement of his incredible love for us. You can't deny that. Ultimately, when you look at all the details of the Christmas story that do not seem well thought out, that seem kind of haphazard, it really was a demonstration of God's love for us and the sacrifice that he made for us and for you and me. He came down in this form of a helpless baby, born to a poor family, laid to rest in this feeding trough, and the sacrifice of the statement of love is for you and me. There is this sense which the greater the sacrifice, the more clearly we understand the love. Jesus chose to come into the world the way he did to make sure you and I understood how far he would go to show his love. Maybe you're like me, maybe you grew up with this nice little sweet, beautiful nativity scene Mary kneeling. Here you've got the baby Jesus in the manger sleeping quietly. Did that really happen? No. i think that you had the whole story of there wasn't a room for them in the end so here he is being born in a place where the animals stayed he's in this feeding trough joseph is most likely helping deliver jesus dad's how many you can handle that and the animals are still there so you know they're making noise Probably not the beautiful picture that we paint ourselves. And the point is this. It's not to make it less whatever. The point is that the humble circumstances surrounding the birth of Christ, it made a statement about his love for you. It showed you that a super perfect, all-powerful, mighty God would do whatever it would take to save us, to change us. So far that even to the point that he would go from a humble major scene to a horrific death on a cross so that his body could be broken and his blood could be shed for you and for me. So I simply want to challenge you with this. Will you stop a moment this Christmas, in the next days, weeks? Really think about the nativity. Really think about the manger. Don't look at it as some little beautiful ornament on a tree or something like that. Think about the feeding trough that Christ laid in. And the rags that he was wrapped in. So that you and I could be saved and live differently. Think about why he did it. Why was Jesus put there? He did it for you. He did it for me. And would you allow kind of all these unexpected parts of the Christmas story... Would you allow them to make clear in your own heart and your own life the things that we briefly talked about, that God knows what you're feeling, that God knows what you're going through, that God has called you to live a, a life of sacrificial service, that God has called you to live different, and most of all, that God loves you very much. I want to ask you to bow your heads with me this morning and I just want us to just let that resonate in our minds and hearts a little bit here for a moment of response I'm going to make it very simple if you want to talk about your relationship with Jesus your following of God I would love to talk with you about that and I'm going to be down front if that's uncomfortable for you I would love to talk with you after the service or call me, email me, whatever. I'd love to talk about this because it's the most important decision you ever make in your life. It's why Jesus came. It's why that he's given the gift that he's just asking you to receive. Will Will you accept the unexpected gift that God has given you and me the world? Maybe there's others of you that you just need to take some time to pray. Pray about some things you're struggling with or your heart. Maybe you're not living sacrificially. Maybe you are struggling to be humble. Maybe you're struggling with your attitude. Maybe you don't feel loved. And while the enemy wants you to believe that, I can promise you there's a God that loves you more than anything. There are others that love you here. You can expect the God that loves you and cares and wants to walk through life with you this day and beyond if you will just surrender to him. Surrender your fears to him. Come to him. Maybe you got other things that you want to pray about. This altar is always open. We'll have some prayer counselors. If you want to go to someone and ask them to pray with you, they would love to do that. What are you going to do this Christmas to take the unexpected in your life to make it truly what it's supposed to be. Father God, I thank you. Thank you for your promises. And I thank you that Jesus is the word, he was the word. And he always will be the word in our lives and in forever and eternity. see the hope in you, Lord Jesus. May we see your goodness. And when there's a world and a culture that wants to show us nothing but bad news or fake news or whatever, God, you are still on your throne calling us to repentance, calling us to live for you. So I pray right now all over this place that we respond. In Jesus' name, amen. We stand as we sing.